Uh, that was awesome. Um, okay, so this week we are starting uh, our new series called The Storyteller, and we're going to run through a few weeks of stories that Jesus told. We're going to go through the parables. Now, a parable, for those who may or may not know, is a story that is used that isn't necessarily a true story, but is a story that is used to teach a lesson or to teach us something new that we don't already know. And we know, I've actually had this conversation with a lot of people. Man, I'm really out of breath after that run. Whew. Goodness gracious. i got to play hockey tonight, and that is bad news. Um, a parable is one of those things that we use to tell a story. And, and I've been having a conversation with a few people this week just about story and about how we learn and how we learn about Scripture. And it just keeps coming up over and over and over again in conversations. We need to tell stories. We've got the best stories. <laughs> and this is how we learn. So we thought we would take a little bit uh, and we would just tell some stories that Jesus told and see what we can learn from them. So for the next couple of weeks, we're going to dig into um, a couple of parables here. Then on the third week of this month, actually, we're going to turn it over to uh, Christine and Steve uh, and a bunch of our kids and students, and they're going to lead our service and tell us some stories, which is really exciting. And then the fourth week of this month, uh, I'm bringing in a friend of mine whose name is Amos. He is a storyteller and has been a pastor for a really long time, and so he's going to come in and share some stories with us too. So I think it's going to be a fun ride, and we're going to have a good time. Now, before we start, I want to ask you a question, and it's this. Do you have anything in your house, in your possession, that belongs to somebody else, but if you were honest, you really hope that they forget that you have it? You know what I'm talking about? Something that's in your house that isn't yours, that you borrowed at some point, but if you're honest, you hope they forget that you have that thing. Now, I have a few of those things, and my pile of things is over here. And so, okay, so there's going to be two things about this morning's service. The first is going to be, I, we want, we're going to try to learn how to let go of some of the things that weren't necessarily ours to begin with. The second thing that you should learn pretty much right off the bat is never lend me anything. Or it's going to end up on the stage in an object lesson in the case of this wrench 14 years later. So this is a wrench that I borrowed from my buddy Jer back, I don't know, mid-2000s. There's a couple of books here uh, that I borrowed for some classes that I probably did 10 years ago from some people, um, you know, a pair of, uh, of nippers here from a pastor from a church a while ago. Um, this guitar, a guitar is a weird thing to forget that you have. Uh, my stepfather gave me this guitar back when I was in high school, so 2001 or 2002, just so that I could use it to learn, and I still have it. I'm not sure if he knows. I, he doesn't play, so... I'm not sure that he knows it's missing or even remembers that it was there. Uh, and then, of course, uh, this air compressor, who I know the owner of this air compressor is watching this morning, so I might be in a little bit of trouble for this one. Um, I borrowed this one about three weeks ago to do some work in my house. And in theory, I'm supposed to return it tonight uh, to Jarrett at hockey. And all I have to say is, we'll see. I don't know if you have anything like that in your house, but before we get started, too, I want to just offer uh, some other thought. If you're a kid, if you're under maybe 18, I think this morning you received 
uh, a little bag on your way in, didn't you? What was in the bag? Two, well, yeah, so you got like some money. So there was a couple of bucks. Some people, I think, got a loony and a toonie. So they even got $3. I'm not sure how it worked. If you were to leave church today and spend that money on something, what would be something that you would want to spend it on? You want to spend it on candy? That was fast. Candy, let's go. Yeah, of course. Anything else? Maybe try to convince your parents to pass a Tim Hortons on the way home. Something at the dollar store? All right, see, I'm giving you all the ideas now. Yeah, you're welcome. Yeah. <laughs> I want you to think about what you would spend that money on because that's my gift to you for being here in the service this morning. So thanks so much uh, for being there. Okay. So we've got this stuff. The thing about borrowing something and then having to give it back, especially when we've held on to it for a really long time, is sometimes we feel like it's ours. Right, like this guitar, maybe not the air compressor, although I'm working on it, um, and like these books, a couple of these tools, they've been in my life for so long that honestly they feel like they're mine. And if I had to give them up at this point, there would probably be a little bit of disappointment. There'd be like an unjustified letdown in the fact that I had to, to give these things up that didn't actually belong to me. I don't know, maybe you have felt the same way. When you've had to give something back, you felt like, oh, like disappointed that it's something that you didn't have anymore. And that sort of leads into today's story, today's parable. Uh, This parable is called the parable of the tenants. I'm not sure if it's one that you've ever heard before, but uh, whether it is or not, we're going to read it this morning. And then we're going to work through it and see what we can learn. So here we go. The parable of the tenants, which is found Uh, in Matthew chapter 21, and starts in verse 33. Listen to another parable, Jesus says. There was a landowner who planted a vineyard. He put a wall around it, dug a wine press in it, uh, and he built a watchtower. Then he rented the vineyard to some farmers and went away on a journey. When the harvest time approached, He sent his servants to the tenants to collect his fruit. The tenants seized the servants. They beat one, killed another, and stoned a third. Then he sent other servants, this is the landowner, to them, more than the first time, and the tenants treated them the same way. Last of all, he sent his son to them. They will respect my son, he said. But when the tenants saw the son, they said to each other, This is the heir. Come, let's kill him and take his inheritance. So they took him and threw him out of the vineyard and killed him. Therefore, when the owner of the vineyard comes, what will these tenants do? He will bring those, and this is Jesus asking the question, to some Pharisees to whom he's telling the story. And the Pharisees answer this way. They say, he will bring those wretches to a wretched end, they replied. He will rent the vineyard to other tenants who will give him his share of the crop at harvest time. Jesus said to them, Have you never read the Scriptures? The stone the builders rejected has become the capstone. The Lord has done this, and it is marvelous in our eyes. Therefore, I tell you that the kingdom of God will be taken away from you and given to the people who will produce its fruit. He who falls on this stone will be broken to pieces, but he on whom it falls will be crushed. When the chief priests and the Pharisees heard Jesus' parables, 
They knew he was talking about them. They looked for a way to arrest him, but they were afraid of the crowd because the people held that he was a prophet. Okay, so let's go through this story a little bit. First of all, pretty straightforward, right? There's a gentleman, he owns a vineyard. I know a lot of people here farm, own a farm, and they do all, and I grew up in the city, so you're about to be able to tell that. They do all the farming things. They plow the fields and grow the crops and and do all those uh, types of things. And when it comes time for the harvest, the landowner, the person who's renting to these tenants, goes out and he sends his guys to say, okay, go collect what is ours. But of course, what happens? These tenants who have been on this farm the whole time, who have been in this vineyard, in this field, who have done all the work, who have done all the planting, all the picking, all the gathering, all the everything else, they sat there and they went, you know, it kind of feels like this is our place. It kind of feels like this is our stuff. And so I, I'm not really appreciative of you sending your people here. And of course, <laughs> they get rid of the servants. And that happens a couple more times until finally the landowner sends his son thinking surely they won't do this to my son and then it happens once again because these people who are looking after the land have all of a sudden become possessive of it. It's like it's theirs. They don't want to give it up. Now before we go any further, I just want to do a quick refresher of who the Pharisees are. We're not going to dive too deep in here, but just so you know in case you're not sure of who the Pharisees are when listening to a story like this, this is a group of people who knew the law very, very well. We've talked about the law quite a bit in the last few weeks. And in theory, their job was to help people follow the law. They know what the law is. They are to come alongside people to help guide them because the law was there to help people be in better relationship with God. And the Pharisees were, in theory, there to help people do that. And it's important for us to remember, we've said this before, that all these rules that were in place weren't there to control people. They were just there to help people get to know God better. Uh, But over a long period of time, the Pharisees started to make some slight adjustments to some of these rules and some of these laws. And eventually, as we, if you've read through your Bible, you know that they become a little bit more possessive perhaps, over some of God's laws than they should. And they start to manipulate them to actually have them do something that they want them to do and help out. And very soon, it starts to look a little bit more like they're the Pharisees' laws and treated that way than God's laws. And that's why the next part of this parable is so impactful. But before we get to the next part of this parable, kids if I've still got you here, I would like you to go into your bag of money that I gave you. And I would like you to take one of the coins out and I would like you to give it to your parents as a gift or whoever you came with. If you came with a guardian, if you came with a grandparent, if you came with a friend, whoever you came with this morning, I want you to give one of those loonies to them. And I want you to know that that is now theirs. That is your gift from you to them. So now maybe you have a little bit less stuff to buy when we leave, but that's okay. We'll work through that as we go. So now you have one coin left in your bag. Is that right? 
Okay. All right. Let's keep going. Here's why this next part of this story is so in fact impactful. Because Jesus looks at the Pharisees and he says, hey, what do you think about this story? This story that I just told you. What, what comes to mind? What do you think? And the Pharisees go, those tenants are awful. They're the worst. They need to go now. And Jesus goes, I agree. That's why I'm telling the story. But then, of course, he also says, but you know, this is how you're treating the laws that God has passed down. Just so you're aware, you're doing the same thing with God and the laws that he's given you that the tenants did in this story. And this is when the Pharisees start to freak out a little bit because this is, at the end, we, we read it said they realize that the story is about them and now that they know they're in a little bit of trouble because it, what they said was, yeah, this is, this is bad. You're not supposed to do that. And then Jesus goes, hey, look at over here. And they go, oh, yeah, that's not great. And we see this a lot with um, laws and what they meant. Like Throughout Scripture, we see examples of how this has happened. A great example of this, I love the Sermon on the Mount. I've preached through that a few times. I love doing it because Jesus starts to go through a lot of the laws that are given, and he says, you've heard it said, but I tell you. And basically what he's saying is, I know you've been taught this, but what it really means is this. So for example, I guess maybe the most black and white easy one to, to talk about is murder. So Jesus says, you've heard it said, don't murder. But what I say to you is, even if you wish ill on somebody, that's separating you from God. It's not letter of the law, it's the intention and what it means, it's the purpose of drawing us closer to God and to each other. And so the Pharisees have held on tightly and are going like this, but Jesus is saying, you're manipulating it, you're not using it the right way. People aren't able to learn the way they were supposed to because of the things uh, that are happening. So here's a group of people, the Pharisees, who really only have a job in the first place. They only have the thing they have because it was gifted to them, but now they've become very possessive of it, and they don't want to give it up. Their whole job is to help bring people towards Jesus, but really what it's become is self-preservation. How do we keep this thing for ourselves? But Jesus comes in and Jesus says, we gave you this for a time, but now it's coming back. The law was here for a while. What we needed to be here was for a while, but now we're going to change because we know that Christ goes to the cross and dies so that we can have a better relationship with Jesus and God going forward. And the Pharisees are mad about that. They're upset about it because it's something they've had for a long time. It's something that they've had for so long it feels like it's theirs. Kind of like even maybe the kids, like this morning, they came in, they're like, oh, what are we going to do with this money? This is exciting. And 25 minutes into the service, all of a sudden they've lost some of it. I'm sorry. Good. But we feel like this stuff is ours, and it happens really fast. And let me tell you, uh, to the young guys in this room and girls in this room, it, it happens to adults a lot faster. <laughs> it happens to us so fast. Something is given to us, and we go, yep, that's ours. And we, we hold on to that thing so tightly, so quickly. This happened to me recently. Um, some of you know this, some of you don't. So before I was here, I was three years employed by the Presbytery of Waterloo, Wellington. 
So a group of Presbyterian churches uh, in sort of the Presbytery over. We're in the Presbytery of Paris. There's about 25 churches in that Presbytery. I had the most uh, Presbyterian job title of all time. I was the Emerging Generations Engagement Facilitator. And so what that meant is that I was to go around and, and help a bunch of churches sort of um, reach that next generation, reach young families, uh, talk to them about how to do that, that sort of thing. And I really liked this job. And uh, it was sort of a blank check job title. I kind of got to, or job description, I kind of got to do what I want with it. And over the three years, I really felt like we were starting to do some good work. And the contract came up in the middle of COVID and a couple other things happened. And I found out a few months before the contract was to end that I wasn't going to get renewed. And I was upset. And I was upset for two reasons. One, because I liked the job. But two, because I knew that job wasn't something I wouldn't have had unless God gave it to me. I didn't know the job existed. I never saw it posted. Three people reached out to me within the course of a week telling me to apply for it. Otherwise, it wouldn't have been on my radar. I was up against candidates who were way more qualified than I was, and yet there I was. And over the course of three years, I went, oh, this is, like, and now I'm like, well, God, you gave this to me, so I know it's good. I know it's something that I should keep. And we really struggled with that as a family as those moments started to turn into something that we knew it was going to end. That was really tough for us. And so I want to make sure, like, I'm not, like, up here like this shining beacon of doing this well. I also get possessive of things that maybe don't belong to me and need to give them up. It's hard, right? This is a difficult thing to deal with. And then the Scripture goes on, and Jesus refers to something in Psalm 188. And He refers to the cornerstone, right? Jesus ends the parable by toning another part of Scripture. He says, the stone that has been rejected has now become the cornerstone. Now, I don't know. I haven't actually walked around in this building because it's February. Um, does this building have a cornerstone? Does anybody know? No. Did the old building? The old building probably would have because it would have been a hundred and some odd years old. For those of you that don't know how a cornerstone works, in older construction, before we had blueprints and digital design and CAD and all that, what you would do is you would lay one stone as the foundation and every other measurement Every other thing that got measured or built was built around that one stone. That was the reference point. If you wanted to know how high or how far something went, you went back to that first spot so that you knew that you were on track. And Jesus says, I'm the cornerstone and that's what you're rejecting. You're rejecting the whole thing here. You are so held up on holding on to this one piece that you are missing the greatness of what God is doing. Before I get into how we can work through this practically, kids, I would like you to take that other loony, the one that is left. And I don't know if you've taken it out of the bag or not, but I want you to do is I want you to keep it in the bag. I want you to reseal that bag. And then on your way out, I want you to put it back in the basket with Steve. Okay? And now, it's kind of funny, because in part, I know, because I've been a kid, there's a part of you here that's sitting there this morning going, I got so excited about this thing that I had. Look, I was going to get something from the dollar store. I was going to go to Tim Hortons, which 
Really, maybe you'll get to do anyways. I don't know. Hmm. Or I was going to get some candy or I was going to get whatever, but now I have to give this thing back. It's amazing how fast we get excited about something that we weren't expecting. You didn't know you were getting money when you came in here this morning. You didn't know that that was something that was going to be given to you, but you had already spent it five minutes after you got here. And now it's gone. But look what you got to do with it. You got to bless your parents. And I guarantee you, you cost your parents a lot more than a dollar a day, so that's pretty good. And you got to bless your church, your church family, which is cool. Two things that you weren't expecting to be able to do because something was given to you and then you were able to let go of it and give it back. That's what we're talking about this morning, the ability to take something that God gives us and go, how can we use this for a time and how can we use it for others and how can we make sure we're focusing on the things we're supposed to be focusing on? For adults, I don't know what this looks like for you. I've got a couple of practical ideas here. Maybe you've got your own. Maybe you're struggling. I'm not sure. But sometimes for me, here's what it looks like. Sometimes it looks like being thankful for something that I had instead of being bitter about the fact that it's gone. That's hard to do. You were talking about that a little bit this morning, which I didn't plan, but I'm thankful for. (laughs) It looks like praise for the good times instead of sorrow for what used to be a good time, being thankful for the things that we were given. It looks like trusting God's plan instead of stressing over your own plan. How many of us struggle with that? Probably most of us. Practically, really, it just looks like Jesus as the cornerstone. Jesus as the reference point. How do we make sure everything draws back to Christ so that we know that we're on track and we're doing the things that we're supposed to be doing? So, as I invite you two back up, or the four of you, or however many are coming, I would challenge you with this question this morning. What areas of your life are you holding on to tightly even though you know they're God's? What area of your life today or this morning or this week or this year are you holding on to really tightly even though you know it's not yours? Even though you know it was a gift? Even though it's something that maybe you need to give back? And if you're not somebody who's following Jesus or not wouldn't consider yourself a Christian or you're not really sure, you're thinking about it, I guess the question is, does it always feel like the thing that you have isn't enough, that you're grasping for something else, that there should be something more, that it feels like even though you've had these things and you've lost them, you haven't been able to hold on to something consistently yet. And I would challenge you this morning to think about Christ as being that thing, that thing that when things come and when things go and when things are great and when things aren't great, that Christ is always consistent is always here for us, is always here for you, and will always be the cornerstone in the times when you need Him to be the most. Let's pray together. God, thanks so much for this morning. Thank You for Your Word. Thank You for Your stories. Thank You for the opportunity that we have to read them and to learn from them. God, I pray that as we go out this morning that we would look at the things in our lives that maybe you gave us that are missing, things that we wish we had, things that we long for, 
things that we're looking to in the future, God, and we would just we would just give that up to you. We would remember that every good and perfect gift that we have comes from you, that everything that we've ever obtained or ever been given or ever experienced is coming from you. And God, I pray that as we work through our weeks and our months, that we would be able to focus on there and the thankfulness that we have for sending Christ to be our cornerstone.